As we move into our scripture reading, we're going to be in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were in fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other's disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We come to John chapter 20. It's the second resurrection appearance in that chapter. The first one was on the first resurrection evening. Those are found in verses 19 through 20, 23. Next, we come to the next Sunday. Verse 26 says, Eight days later, his disciples were in, inside again, and Thomas was with them. At this point in the introduction, I'd like to talk to you about John the writer. You see, John the writer of our gospel is making a rather big point about this day. This eight days later, it's a Sunday, it's the first day of the week, it's Resurrection Sunday as we know it, it's the Lord's Day. That's where we get our worship from on the Lord's Day or Sunday. This is it. This is what John's saying. This is a day of celebration of the resurrected Christ. This is the first day of the week. This is the Lord's Day. This is Jesus' Day. This day is all about Jesus. As a matter of fact, it should be more important than maybe any other day. And so I want to make another point about Thomas. The, the Bible's clear that Thomas was absent from that first evening encounter. I don't want to make too much of that, but I do want to say that when we have an opportunity to gather together on Lord's Day, that we need to make sure that we're together. We don't miss it. You see, Thomas wasn't there and he missed a lot. And I think there's a, a, a truth there for us that we, when we miss the gathering of the Lord's people on the Lord's day, we have an opportunity to miss a lot. So when we get back together, and we will get back together, I want us as a church family to make this day, the Lord's day, the gathering of his people, a priority 
for our lives. Make it the biggest priority for our lives. This morning we're going to talk about the, the man Thomas, the doubt of Thomas, and the faith of Thomas. I, I briefly want to mention that we see Thomas the man a few other times before John chapter 20. As a matter of fact, we see him first in John chapter 11. It's around the death of Lazarus, and there's a lot going on. And Jesus had been, uh, people had been trying to kill Jesus. But in, in, in John chapter 11, verse 16, it says, So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. You see, you could say that Thomas was doom and gloom. But what he's saying, if we go back to Bethany, we, we're going to be dead just like them. And that could be a perspective you could have. Or you could see a different perspective, that Thomas was a man of courage. He knew that following Jesus might mean, might cost him his life. You see, I believe that it communicates that Thomas was willing to go all in with Jesus. The next time we see Thomas is in John chapter 14. It's one of my favorite passages in John's gospel. You're, I'm sure, very familiar with it. It's the place where Jesus is telling his disciples that he's going to prepare a place for them. And then verse 5 of chapter 14, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Whatever else you may think about Thomas, I will tell you this, that this John chapter 14 illustration of Thomas, this demonstration of who he was, tells us that he's a man who wanted to be with Jesus. He was a man most concerned that maybe, just maybe, he wasn't going to be able to be with Jesus, that the Lord was going to be absent, and he didn't know where he could ever find him again. And that troubled him immensely. He never wanted to be out of the presence of Jesus. And so he asked Jesus, how do we know where you're going? And I ask us this morning, does that describe you? Does it describe me that I'm so concerned about being in the presence of Jesus, it's the most important concern of my life? You see, that question for Thomas gives way to one of the most famous declarations in the Gospel of John. When Thomas asked Jesus, how could they know the way? Jesus said this, I am the truth, I am the way, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So maybe Thomas had a bent of being a bit pessimistic, and maybe some of us do too. But I really think what we can say about the man Thomas is that he was an all-in follower of Jesus who loved Jesus with his all. Next, we come to the doubt of Thomas. It had been eight long, confusing days since the resurrection of Christ. Can you imagine all the things that were being said? You think we live in unstable times? Just imagine for a moment the buzz around Jerusalem since the death and resurrection of Jesus. You see, I know in the day that we're living of COVID-19 or the coronavirus or the pandemic, the information, the buzz all over the TV and in the streets and whoever you talk to is all over the board. It, it appears when humans are in a type of a crisis that we have some human tendencies like doubt and, and discouragement. And for sure, doubt is one of those things. And my caution is because we all are like Thomas when crisis come, not to be too harsh on him. 
for whatever divine providential reason, Thomas wasn't at that first gathering with the other ten disciples. Thomas can teach us something. You see, as a matter of fact, Thomas wanted a sign, and I think that's why John has it in his gospel. Let us not forget that the writer of this gospel, John, has written this whole letter around the signs that pointed to his readers that the one they were looking for, the one that they were hoping was coming, the Messiah of the Old Testament, was indeed this Jesus of Nazareth. John's gospel, according to D.A. Carson, says is the only gospel where Jesus is explicitly identified with God. That's why John includes the seven I am's and the miraculous signs. As a matter of fact, we can't miss this. This is what John says. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But, they, but these are written. In other words, the things that I have written are so that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and by believing in him, you may have life in his name. Yes, Thomas raised doubts whether Jesus was alive or not, but can you blame him? Just like some of you are raising doubts that you're not going to do anything until there's a vaccine or until the government gives the all clear sign. You don't know how to go back to normal life because of this crazy pandemic and you are doubting too. You see, it's a human tendency, but we don't need to be too hard on Thomas. Thomas said something that I really want us to see. In our text, it says, He said, Unless I see in his hand the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of his side, I will never believe. You know, the Lord has saved me, and it's not a matter of belief for me, but I can't wait to see the nail prints in his hand. I can't wait to bow before him and look up at the pierced side of our dear Savior. You see, this idea of a slain lamb or a crucified lamb or a sacrifice is mentioned over 27 times in the book of Revelation. He's called the Lamb of God. As a matter of fact, the book of Revelation, as I described last week, says that heaven's worshipers will fall down before him and say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. The book of Revelation talks about the book of life. And this book of life is described with these words, the book of life of the lamb who was slain. Far from forgetting his suffering and his shed blood, his glory will compare, will be on compare to all of his people who are celebrating him forever as the lamb that was slain. The sheep with their scars and whose blood they have been washed, whose blood once was shed for them, as conquerors now are worshiping their slain lamb. You know, I just want to say for a moment that one of my favorite songs is I Can Only Imagine. I, 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 those words just popped in my mind and I just thought about what will I do when I see Jesus? I may be just like Thomas. I have no idea. But I know that what we all will do is worship him forever in the beauty of his scars. There are no, they're not going to be a defect for our eyes to see these scars. No, they will be for the redeemed, a glory 
for saved sinners beyond compare. Finally, we come to the faith of Thomas. As soon as Jesus enters, he greets Thomas. Verses 27, 28, and 29 give us this description. And as soon as he walks in and gives the greeting, he tells Thomas to place his finger and place his hand to see for sure for himself that he indeed was alive and he was the one who was crucified. Thomas brings a climactic faith confession. And here is what Thomas declared upon seeing the nail prints in Jesus' hand and the scars in his side and his pierced feet. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. That is the crowning display of human faith, Carson says. This is the truth of John's writing. John started in John 1.1, the Word was God and the Word became flesh. And I believe that John is now ending his gospel with Thomas because that's the whole point of the letter. This is just not some happenstance encounter. This is clearly providentially placed in this place, in this gospel, post-resurrection, so we can believe. Thomas is giving us what faith in Christ means. Thomas himself has moved from an unbeliever to a believer, and now he's bearing witness of these great events in which God has acted in humanity for salvation. God has acted and it's clearly seen in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. That's what we're worshiping. That's why you're gathered where you are gathered, in your homes or wherever you are. And that's why on this day, this is important because of what Thomas proclaimed, my Lord and my God. Faith means two things. It means, one, that Jesus is the Christ, the long-expected one of the Old Testament. He is the Messiah. And two, my God, He is the Son of God. My Lord and my God, the announcement of Thomas can leave no doubt that Jesus is the very incarnation. We mean God in flesh. Thomas has now seen it for himself, and there's no denying it. The words of Jesus are a particular blessing on us this Lord's Day, after our Easter celebration. Here's what Jesus said to Thomas. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. By the time John's writing this gospel, all the miracles of Jesus were just memories. Sight had now been replaced by faith. He knew that there would be countless people after Thomas who would believe without the benefit of seeing for themselves. They must rely on faith. Last week, our text was from 1 Peter 1, 8, 9. I remind you of that again. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. How do we come to faith now? The Bible's very clear. Paul says in Romans 10, 17, 
Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That is why each Lord's Day, as we gather, we preach what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 to Jesus Christ and him crucified. The beauty of our faith is something truly supernatural. It brings glory to God and it's God-driven. How blessed are we this morning because of the gracious act of God to give us this faith and this hope in Jesus Christ, his son. But you know, I just want to make a side note. There are marks that can still be seen, not physical marks, but marks of faith on the followers of the crucified and resurrected one. Marks on people like you and I, people who have hope in the resurrected Christ. You see, people during this pandemic, as a matter of fact, people during our whole lives should see marks or indications on our very being that we are living in a manner worthy of the gospel. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I ask this day, as you travel about and as you begin to travel about more, as this pandemic ends hopefully soon, Lord willing, will people once again see the marks of Christ on you? As a matter of fact, have they seen the marks of Christ on you now? Can they see that you're living in a manner worthy of the gospel you say you believe? Now maybe this morning as we conclude, some of you have doubts too. I must admit that early in my Christian life, it bothered me when people had doubts. I always felt like I had to solve their problem or show them how their doubts could be resolved so they could just say yes to Jesus and everything would be okay. That wasn't a very profitable mindset for me to have. This morning, I'm conscious that I'm speaking to two groups of people. The first group, call it group A, you, you're, you're believers of Christ, you've been saved, you have this hope in the resurrected Christ. You, you're longing for the day to be with Jesus. But the truth is you have people in your life who have doubts. As a matter of fact, when you encounter them, they're, they're kind of, they kind of provide some opposition. They're, they're always looking to you with some kind of gotcha statement about this Jesus you say that you believe in. They just always have some doubt to raise. And you may be like me trying to solve that. I, I would just encourage you to pray. Be patient with them. Love them. Show them this love of Christ that, that you have. Demonstrate forgiveness. Be kind to them. And then just trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord to do only what the Lord himself can do. And that saved them. There's a second group. You're not a follower of Christ. You're, you're, you're like Thomas or, or maybe you have doubts. You're, you're somewhere in between. For whatever reason this morning, you've, you've chosen to, to tune in, to watch, and, and I'm so grateful. I believe it's because of God's providence you're here. I believe that God's doing something in your life. I know you've got doubts, and I just want to say good. I'm glad you do. Now, that may surprise you, <clears throat> but those doubts that you have, they're not too big for God. I'm not sure if you missed it, but there's an interesting little detail in verse 26 that that caught my attention as I was preparing this message it says although the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you you know Jesus knew what Thomas had said the week before he knew he had these doubts Jesus knew that and that's why he told Thomas to do what he told Thomas to do as soon as he saw him you know guess what 
God knows your doubts too. You see, Jesus can walk through the locked door of your heart and show up in your life just like he did in Thomas's life. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm trusting God will be faithful. I know my role is just to faithfully, faithfully proclaim the word of God to the best of my human abilities and do so in the power of the Holy Spirit. My job this morning, or anyone else's for that matter, is not to save you. We can't save you. We, we can't do that. We're here to be messengers, a witness, hopefully a faithful witness to the word of Christ. It is possible this morning that God's using something such as this pandemic to bring you to the place of Thomas. He's bringing you face to face with all the doubts that you have about God. What might look like on the outside, a locked door. You're shut in your house. You've removed yourself from society. You, you've closed yourself off to the world. And now you're shut up. You're locked in to the ways of all the world. It's just you and God. Maybe that's the place God wanted you this morning so he could speak the words, peace be to you. Peace. The Hebrew word for shalom, it's a common greeting. But after the crucifixion and the resurrection, it takes on much more of a meaning. It's what the people of God knew would categorize their coming kingdom. They knew that when the messianic king and kingdom would come, this shalom would be theirs. And guess what? It was here. That's what Jesus is saying. Peace, I'm here. Shalom, I am your peace. He's the peace of our reconciliation in our life. It's been imparted to us from God the Father through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, the shalom. So at the end of the day, isn't that what you're looking for, shalom? I know it's what I was looking for. I'm looking for the peace that only Christ can give me. A peace the world cannot afford, but only Jesus can. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to preach the word of Christ. I pray that wherever folks may find themselves listening or watching this message, that you would speak to the doubts of their hearts and place, help them place their faith completely and totally in Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Son of God, my Lord and my God. And for those of us this morning... Uh, who have done that, I pray that you would help us to live with a marked life, that our lives would be representative of the one who is following you, who, whose hands were pierced, whose side, was, who, whose side was, was pierced because you were slain for our sins. Lord Jesus, uh, we pray that soon this pandemic would be over and we would gather on the Lord's day with the Lord's people. But until then, we place all of our faith and trust in you. And I pray if there's anyone here this morning, Lord, that does not know your peace, that the Holy Spirit right this moment will bring the saving words of Jesus into their lives. I pray this in the resurrected name of the Lamb who was slain, Jesus. Amen.